0: Welcome to the Cultivating Success Podcast. Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson are brothers and business partners of the top landscaping company, Nature's Experts. Nature's Experts is home to six companies that cater to all your outdoor needs. To learn more about Jeff and Jonathan, simply visit us at www.naturesexperts.com. On the podcast, Jeff and Jonathan bring together other business owners and entrepreneurs to share with you how they developed a prosperous company and how you can too. You will gain insights and meaningful advice on creating the building blocks to success and longevity in the entrepreneurial realm. And now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson.
1: Joe, thank you for joining us on the Cultivating Success podcast. We're happy to have you here today and to really talk about leadership and different ways we can execute leadership within our company, within your company and different ways that you can really drive success moving forward. So I'm really excited to have you here to really dive into some of the strategies and concepts about it to really, you know, create a long-term path of success inside of your company.
2: Absolutely. John and Jeff, thank you so much uh, for having me today. Uh, I look forward to uh, exploring those those topics with you and and sharing a little bit about the best practices that I have uh, observed, as well as those that I have participated in and implemented over the years. You
1: know, I think it's important that, you know, whenever you meet different people who are in consulting and leadership, and you go to these uh, different seminars, or you listen to podcasts or anything like that, you know, it's important to take it all in, but you really have to develop your own cornerstones of the kind of foundation that you want to have moving forward. Don't you agree?
0: Uh, yes, 100%. Uh, and those you mean, cornerstones you mean things that you latch onto, like things that.
1: No, I you? think you're, it's your principles that are going to guide yourself and your business moving forward. And they're specifically unique to the person. You know, I am somebody who's much more analytical. You're much more. You know, vocal and you're definitely much more outgoing than I am. So, how we would build a business together is different mm. than how we would probably go about building a business gotcha. separately. Right.
0: Gotcha.
2: So 100%. Joe,
1: so, Joe, how do you typically start? You know, when you're coming in to help a company that's looking to, you know, kind of increase their performance on their team, how do you actually come in and actually help them? And like, what's the beginning processes?
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, the first, step that I always take is I sit down with a senior leader of that organization, president, founder, owner, CEO, and I ask three very probative questions. Number one, what is your vision? What are your goals for your company? Why are those your goals? So that's the first set of questions. And from those questions, we then embark upon the second set, do people, which is, do people okay, typically
1: what, know their, their why, but not how, or their how and not why?
2: It's a mixture. What I have found is that there is frequently a systemic disconnect between the senior leader's vision or goals, this, the plan of action and steps to make that happen, right. and the extent to which people understand it. I once worked with a, with a CEO of a company that was a total of five people. And she was 100% certain that everyone knew what her vision was because they talked about it every day. And when I interviewed all five people in the company, I was not surprised to learn that there was a different answer to that question. So this sense of alignment of purpose is quite important, which is why I always talk with the senior leader first. And after we learn what their vision is, perhaps it's well articulated, perhaps it's well understood, perhaps not. Then we ask, what? is the plan of action to achieve that vision. And if you get a shoulder shrug, then you understand that this is an idea that has not been brought to reality yet. And then if, even if a company has a great plan and has a bold vision for the future, uh, when uh, I speak about the extent to which people understand it, people don't get excited about things that they don't understand. But when I talk to an employee and I'll say, okay, what's the vision of the company? And what's your role? And why is what you do every day important to make that vision happen? Uh, if they give me an answer that is in their own words, but very approximate to what the CEO said, then I know there's a high degree of alignment in that organization. And I can focus and target ways to help the organization. If, however, there's a lack of understanding about the vision or the plan or both, then I'm able to come back to the CEO with a with a, a plan of actionable steps to fix that. And so that's why my first conversation is always with the senior leader. And then I do person-to-person interviews. If it's a small company, say 50 people or less, I'll interview every employee and I'll come back to the CEO with a zero-based review. But if it's a larger company, then I will break that down uh, into a sample size that's indicative of the company's demographics and scale. Uh, but it's always about the focus of the intersection and the interdependence between the vision for the company, the plan to make it happen, and the extent to which people understand it. That's what I focus on exclusively with Alakai.
0: Don't you think that um, it needs to be taken into consideration that even though if you have the heads of the company, CEO, founder, so on and so forth, they have their vision, this is the way we want to go and then the employees are doing what they need to be doing they understand the vision of what needs to be done but where do individual personalities come into play because in our organization i would say that it's it, it is an interesting thing that it is there are a lot of personalities that you know even though they understand the vision they're excited to be here they're still only capable of certain things and they have certain shortcomings. How do you get over those to still accomplish the goals the way that the CEO, founder, <laughs> heads of the company want to do and the company get to where it needs to go when you have these personalities that only you know, are capable of so much?
2: Yeah, that, that is a, a great question, Jeff. And, and I do that through two methodologies. And these, these will sound similar, but they are right. quite different. One is training and the other is education. Uh, Training is an opportunity that is provided for the individual. Education, in my assessment, is the learning that the individual takes away from the training opportunity that changes their behavior. Because without behavior being changed, I don't want to sound too scientific, Mm -hmm. but without behavior being changed, learning has not occurred. Mm -hmm. You and I could read the same book. Mm -hmm. If we take away different learning aspects from it, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. But if we don't change some elements of our behavior because of that learning, then true learning has not taken place. So in the example that you illustrated, Mm -hmm. uh, every employee at every echelon and every level uh, in an organization is contributing differently. If they understand the vision, They understand their role in making that vision happen, and they understand how and why what they do every day is important. That contributes to their ability to to learn to do more tomorrow than what they were doing today. I I think that
1: means you also, too, have to speak the right language based upon the different department that you're actually talking to. 100%. as a leader, you have to actually cognate your, your mission, your vision is different for you than it is for your executive management, and then your management, and then your office, and then your people, you know, con- continuing down the line, depending on the roles and responsibilities. It all plays into the total sum, but it does have a different role inside of the organization of exactly what we're doing. If you're talking to somebody in sales, it has something to do with growth and opportunity. If it has to do with somebody who's particularly fixing something or maintaining something, it has to do with the quality of what they're doing so we can sell things and continue to keep selling things or so training.
2: Right.
0: I'm having a little trouble with this because, um, so I'm a very persuasive, sort of aggressive person. And the reason I say persuasive also is because I don't just go at someone. You know, I'm mm-hmm. persuasive also in the sense where I don't try to snow anybody and I don't try to persuade mm. them things that are only for the benefit of only somebody else or only me or only it, it involves that person also. Of course. For the greater good of you know, whatever it is. And I do have lots of success with that, but there are people that I don't have success with that with. And what happens is mm. I continue to get more and more and more aggressive with it to try to persuade Mm. and the person then begins to feel that I'm coercing and Mm. I'm, and it becomes something that's only good for me Mm -hmm. or something that's only good for the company or, or whatever. And instead of them losing the actual message from the beginning that this is for the the good of whether it's the relationship or the company or the, you know, mm. whatever it may be. And so then it's like, I end up getting a bad rap because just because I'm so like, you know, aggressive yeah. about it. Yeah. And so it makes it seem like I'm, you know, so I just don't know how to get around that with people yeah. that are, are not that they're not responding that, you know, I get I think it's maybe the issue is it's specifically with people that have more of like an introverted personality, Mm. more like closed off kind of from, I don't know whether they're, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's definitely something. And it's in different parts of my life. I've experienced it, my personal life and my professional life. And then it makes it seem that I'm this aggressive, you know what I mean? And yeah, it's just trying to persuade to open someone's mind. It's almost like I get the feeling that you tell someone something and you are explaining it and they just they don't even give you an indication that they want to like process the information and they want, they hear you and they sure. understand and they're trying to like figure it out inside of them. Sure. And I, there's just people in our organization that don't do that. So understood. Trying, you know what I mean?
2: No, I un, un, understood one observation that I would offer, and this is a very important uh, concept uh, to that all organizations need to apply. Uh, when we were speaking earlier about, the CEO or the senior leader, I want to emphasize it is not their vision. It is not uh, the vision of the company. It is not the vision of one person that others are being, if there's an attempt to persuade them, it's a shared vision. Right. And so if it's a company of five or if it's a company of 50,000, yeah. it doesn't matter. Right. What matters is that the vision for the, whatever that vision is, the company wants to grow in the next five years. The company wants to uh, expand their operations. They want to uh, increase their market share. They want to increase sales. They want to yeah. become recognized by others as the premier organization in their industry or sector. Whatever the vision is, it has to be shared.
0: Well, it's funny you say that because that's exactly what it is. It's, you know, people start thinking it's just me you know, persuading. And it's, it's because it's either something for the greater, but it's, it's me who's doing it. So for some mm-hmm. reason, people like lock in on me and personalize mm-hmm. it to that. I'm of Pressuring and but I Jeff, am. Jeff,
1: you, you specifically. You know what I mean? Well, I do know what you mean, but a lot of times you lead with, so in our particular situation, Joe, over the last few months, just like everybody else has, inflation has occurred, adjustments have had to be made, sure. and ultimately, a lot of people have shifted, I believe, from their mission to the financial health of their business, mm. and the financial health of their business has prioritized over maybe what your mission is as far as how to do it, because to keep your mission alive, you have to have money, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you specifically, a lot of times, Jeff, lead with the money. I understand that if you yeah. do the right things, the money will come. So if you speak about margins and you're like, where are we at with the margins? Margins is not a shallow thing to anybody. Right. Margins are considered neutral. It's as long as the margin is considered consistent over the long talk. Every time you speak to the person, if the margin is 20%, the margins 20% that's it. It's either lower, or it's high, it's good or it's bad. That's it. It's not offensive. If you say we need to get more money in here, money, 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 money. There's a difference. There is a difference. And people think that it's all about the money versus right. doing your job. If the job requires you to make 20% or less or more, that's just the job. There's no uh-huh. emotions to it. There is a money, there's money associated to it, yeah. but there's no money, 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 yeah, money, money, money. That's
0: very true. So I and think, I think that's one hundred percent right, and I think that's part of the problem with me is I'm like you know I'm so aggressive and so wanting to get to that I just sort of go right to the end. And sure. I think that um, that's probably something that I need to uh, dial back a little bit and take smaller steps in order sure. to get
2: to the end. No, point. it's quite possible. Another observation that I'll give you, not to say this is in your your case, but a realization. By leaders and managers at all levels, that there will be some people that you will never convince. Yeah. It, regardless of the understanding, regardless of the quality of the plan of action, regardless of the boldness of the vision, there will be some people that you won't be able to persuade and, and make them understand. And that's okay. That's perfectly fine.
1: It's about acknowledging who those people are and ensuring that they're not union leaders or toxic people. Right, spread throughout the organization. Right. If somebody just does a good job and they just want to go home, mm-hmm. you know what? That's just some people. But people that are infectious are definitely ones that you have to be more mindful of with, as it relates to what you're saying specifically. Agreed. Because there's two types of people. One of them, is it okay? It's okay just to be yourself and for you just to be like,
0: you know, I want to do a good job and I want to go home. Agreed. But there are also people, I'm, t- I'm specifically, part of what I was saying before is there are people that are put in power positions. And those people are great. You know, they do do not
1: everybody in a power. Not everyone in a management position is actually a good leader. They might just be the most qualified person on the team.
0: No, but for example, like we have, there's someone in our organization who we both are fond of, does a wonderful job, cares very much, shares the vision, but just is a bad communicator
2: Mm, just uh is.
0: And Uh no matter how many times it's been explained in all different sorts of ways. And no matter how many times, you know, it's been like shown. to What is bad communicator,
1: bad communicator to the customer, to the employees all around to other management all all around. But then why? So if the person's a bad communicator, not doing their job would mean, so they don't make the jobs that they do. They're not profitable. Um, no,
0: the jobs are are profitable. profitable.
1: Is the team happy? Not all the time. Is the team happy? No, it is not
0: a yes or a no, because on the the times where the communication falls short, the team is not happy. And that's the problem. What's the
1: turnover in that department?
0: um, Has anyone left? I would say that uh, if you're talking about customers, yes, because of the communication. And I would say that employees lose faith and employees lose faith uh, that are under this person or uh, parallel to this person and start believing that this person doesn't communicate well because of some instances that have gone on where the person hasn't communicated. So I don't think it's as cut and dry as you're saying. I don't agree.
1: Well, I think- it all has to be weighed because if the person's a bad communicator, but the employees stay, that's one scenario. If the person is a bad communicator, but the employees are so good that they're able to do the work, but he's very good with the customers, like there's, there's all different levels of it because not everyone is a good communicator with like people as far as sales. Some people are better with contractors. Some people are better with homeowners
0: directly. Some people are better with the employees. The problem is is that you're putting an intelligent, an intelligent, very caring and very loyal person who's introverted in a power position. And that is to me, a, a. It's a difficult thing. Sure, It it rears its ugly head, you know, fairly often. Is does it do it in a way where it's destructive? Absolutely not. But does it do it in a way where it reflects the person being an introvert and not communicating properly and correctly? Yes. And I don't know what to do with that person. That's where what I was Mm -hmm. mentioning to you from the beginning about me is that's where that's born from. It's mm. very difficult for me to sit by and know that the person, you know, if they would just take on some of what I'm saying to them and just please be open to it mm-hmm. and you know you just have to keep preaching the same thing over and over, and it just doesn't change. It, sure it's upsetting and and aggravating.
2: absolutely understand. Problems. And I want to qualify my observation by saying that um, I have done decades of leadership coaching, however, uh, the primary purpose of the Alakai Leadership Group is not leadership coaching. Rather, it is a strategic acceleration of organizational effectiveness. That being said, uh, based on my experience, a situation like that, I fall back to the education, the training and the mentorship. So if you have had a candid, frank conversation with this person mm-hmm. to explain to them what your concerns are, and then to offer them a, an, a process improvement that is tangible, that articulates what your expectations are and what your goals are, and then that person takes it on board, understands it, and then starts moving forward to improve themselves in a manner that you expect, uh, that, that's a great methodology to follow that I have seen work well uh, in the past. However, there Joe, will be some that will, res- will not respond to that right. and will say, okay, I'm going to go do something else. And, and that's certainly uh, always the risk that you take.
1: Right. I think Joe hit it on the head there is that it's about tangible. So I think the best advice for you, Jeff, is that if you're saying this person is a bad communicator, if you physically write down all these scenarios and you present it to somebody, it's much more impactful than just having a conversation because if someone actually sees a track record of dates, time, scenarios, situations, so on and so forth, not that they're just, you know, not communicating to your likings, but it has caused your lack of this has caused this. Your this has caused this. I think it does give somebody more of that reality check where you're being able to put them in a place where you're mentoring okay. them okay. to improve their skills because sometimes people don't really understand what they actually what their actions cause as reactions sometimes.
0: In other words, you're saying, speaking generally to them saying, you're not communicating, you're not this, you're not that, as opposed to obviously, like you said, writing it down, being specific about this instance happened, this occurred, this instance happened, this occurred.
2: Yeah, that's a good that, idea. That's what I really it, get from Joe. Exactly. Story. And that's and I idea. have found those conversations have always gone well and have been received positively when- Well, because we you're, presenting, you're presenting the facts on Correct. paper- yeah. Correct. And you open up with just what you said. Hey, these are some qualities that you have that are outstanding. These are some things that you do every day that are fantastic and valued and help our organization and our business move forward. However, like there are a few things that we know yeah. that you need to improve in. And then that the tangibility that, that you spoke about, John, is just having concrete steps to say, if you, the leader... Yeah identify a shortcoming, you also identify a method or a process or a, a resource right, 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 that, right. that person can use right. to improve and then say, hey, do this for the next month or so. Let's meet together and let's check up on it and let's see how it's going. And I have found that that has been a, a very, very positively received uh, approach.
1: Yeah, I like I mean, it. I like the tangible. Definitely makes like a lot it. of
0: sense. What did the military... Um... Teach you about what you're doing now.
2: How much time do we
0: have? Uh <laughs> well, no, you they, quickly they, quantify it for, for sure. everybody. And sure. how long uh, were you in the military? And you know, what did it actually Thank you for your
1: service for you? too, by the way. Yeah, it's, my, yeah, really, it's my pleasure and, yes. and my
2: honor. I always felt like it was what I was meant to do. It never felt like a job. Or a profession to me, it just simply felt like where I was supposed to be, what I was meant to do, and I was serving with the people. Exactly, a calling. I was serving with the people I was supposed to be with. And so I served for 30 years in the Navy. My profession was explosive ordnance disposal. That's the bomb squad. Wow. Yes, yes. But it was enjoyable. Um, As I mentioned earlier, probably about 20 of those 30 years were in CEO or COO positions. Um, and I have led and managed uh, large, uh, diverse, globally integrated teams. Um, I've also led uh, and managed uh, small teams, tactical teams of, of two, uh, and the vast range in between. The two most important things that I learned from those experiences that brought me to to the genesis of founding the Alakai Leadership Group and, and what I bring forward uh, today with respect before to that Before you say approach, them, before you guys, say yeah.
0: them, I would just mm-hmm. want to... This is your two things after 30 years. So imagine the amount of days, the amount of experiences, everything. He's going to say two things. So these are two things that stick out to you after 30 years of all of this, or what?
2: Number one, a team will always accomplish more than any individual can alone. Those who fail to learn that or those who fail to appreciate that will think that they're coming to work every day to do something in an individual capacity. And in fact, they're not. When when we come to work every day or when working from home, remote, hybrid, whatever our our production status is, we are part of a team and we are contributing to a team effort to achieve an organizational goal. I had a mentor early on in my career who taught me this. and, And he said, Joe, I see you running around a lot Doing a lot of things every day, accomplishing a lot of tasks. When are you going to stop completing tasks? And when are you going to start inspiring teams of people to accomplish goals? That was a very formative moment for me. It was a tipping point. And I realized that in order to become the leader that I needed to be in the future, I needed to give up past ways of individual, uh, perhaps even recognized success. The difference between again, individual. Joe, Can
1: you say that again? Cause it really resonated with me if you did could... too. If you sure. could say it
2: again. When are you going to stop being the person who completes tasks and start being the person who leads and inspires teams to accomplish goals? And there's a difference between those two things. And that is that stuck with me at a, a, a very formative time in my professional career in the Navy. And it allowed me to change and evolve into the leader that I needed to be for the future, not into the, the accomplisher of tasks that I was in the past. So that's anyone, number one, the value of a team.
1: Anyone who that resonates with, I think, has had a little morsel of understanding of what leadership can do, but you can't really quantify all that it can do. Because there definitely are different points. You know, I'm 36, Jeff's 53. Everyone has different shared life experience. Of course. Yours is different than mine, so on and so forth. And, you know, depending on what your goal is and what you're looking to do and how you've lived your life, it really can resonate differently. And it is really, really interesting if you just... It's almost... It's like what our business coach says to us, which is trust the process, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, with a lot of different things, it falls in line with that, but you have to understand that if you pretty much do the right thing, you're going to get the best result. It just, it gets scary and intimidating and, you know, you you feel uncomfortable because you're like, well, I can just do it and so on and so forth. And I'll train them, but then I can, you know, I'll check their work behind them and so on and so forth. And all of these things feed into less productivity, less trust, Mm -hmm. less growth. Less development versus which the hard, If you have the right people around you, you have to let people make mistakes, and if they're good people, one hundred percent. When they make the mistake, they're going to adjust. So, in a business sense, if the mistake costs you X amount of dollars, it is a opportunity as a learning experience. If you have the right person to make sure that that X amount of dollar mistake doesn't actually happen again. Right. But you've now actually developed a trust, a bond, a team, a process, and a strategy. And you're much more aligned because the person actually has a little bit on the line for what they know that they've done if they really feel accountable.
2: You are absolutely right. And you you touched upon a very important quality and a very important concept, which I would like to to just quickly uh, underscore and, and elaborate upon before I tell you the second most important thing that I learned. Um, of course, there are many more, but uh, I distilled them down into these these, yeah, two, the these two elements. The comment that you made, though, is very important because you described to a T delegation. Delegation is not abdication. It is when it's done correctly. It's hard work. And the way that leaders accelerate and evolve to a higher level of leadership is that they are an ardent practitioner. Of delegation, You mentioned it earlier, surrounding yourself with outstanding people, educating them, training them, explaining to them, what are the standards? What are the values? What are the ethics? What do we do? What don't we do? How do we do it? And then at, at a certain point, letting them do what they need to do. And as a leader, accepting what you just said, that they, there will be people who make mistakes. Everybody's going to make a mistake. It, is that mistake well-intentioned? Was the person trying to do the right thing? Were they using what you taught them? Were they moving in the right direction? And and they they just made a mistake. That's okay. I want a hundred of those mistakes from my team every day. It's the mistakes of uh, either omission or it's the mistakes where someone doesn't understand what they're supposed to do, or they, they consciously do something that they they knew was wrong. That, those we can take care of. That's that we have policies and laws for that. But uh, you touched upon this very important concept of, of delegation, and I wanted to just let you know that I agree with that 110 percent.
1: You know, you um, have to quantify the results as well. Absolutely, if you have the right people too. So in our particular yeah. organization, as we as we've continued to grow, you know, you do have to, you know, release responsibility, which is a little nerve wracking, and you have to lead and guide and monitor, but not, you know, hover over people, and you have to trust, and you have to uh, keep expanding on the different details and roles and responsibility and things they can do better, but you have to quantify it to make sure you understand where you're starting. And then where you went, because the area in between is extremely uncomfortable and -hmm. as uncomfortable as it is, you, unless you actually have a point in which you're going to gauge in between, like where you started and where you ended, you don't know if you're being uncomfortable is the right feeling or not. It might not be the right feeling. You might be really uncomfortable, but they might be doing a really good job and it has nothing to do (laughs) with how comfortable you are.
2: 100%. As leaders, that is an individual approach that we all must, must grapple with. There will be some who are more comfortable with delegating. There will be others, like you said, who are not. Um, and that's something we all must... I have found when I'm mentoring leaders, I encourage them and I advise them that when you're in that specific situation that you talked about, or you've delegated tasks, you've delegated responsibility, and people are doing well, and they're thriving, and they're, they're moving forward. It's like they're running ahead of you and you want to reach out every once in a while and pull them back and say, just slow down for a minute so I can catch up. You're doing such a great job. At those times, if you do feel a little uncomfortable, the way to break through that as a leader is to delegate more, not to pull back and perhaps uh, delegate, delegate less. I-,
0: I always say you have to feel comfortable in uncomfortable situations because otherwise you're not going to think clearly. That's correct. You, there's really no reason as a human being to feel uncomfortable. <laughs> you know what no, I mean? No. There really, really isn't. I mean, if you it's a feeling and feelings have zero IQ. So, you know, you have to check with your logic and be like, why am I uncomfortable? It's just a human being. I'm just in this sort of experience, you know, so on and yep. so forth.
2: Very, very true. Um, I want to circle what back did you to say? just I said very true. Very, very true. Okay. but it's very, very true yeah. it's
1: first of all it's very true <laughs> if you put yourself in the right position with the right people and the right that's processes right. and the right that's training right. so it's not putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation that's stupid it's uncomfortable in a situation that you have put yourself in the right spot and now you need to really trust what's going on
0: well yes I mean, yeah of course but if you are uncomfortable and you did make a mistake and you did or for whatever reason even if it's not your own doing and you're in an uncomfortable situation, you really can get comfortable with it because the more comfortable you get with, it, like I said, at the beginning, the more clear your thoughts will be. You know what I mean? That's all rather Uh, than being on the discomfort rather than focusing on, you know, a message or what's going on or.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we had a, I was listening to a colleague speak about this the other day and they were talking about it very similar in a very similar manner to what you were saying about being, having not only you as a leader, but having your team be able to thrive in yeah. uncomfortable situations. There will be variables. There are many variables we don't control that will create for us disharmony, uncomfortability, chaos, challenge, crisis, Well, because when someone's uncomfortable,
0: they just want to, they want to, they focus on getting out of it. They don't focus on learning through it or understanding more about it or themselves. being uncomfortable. So nothing's learned. They just want to get out of it. That's right, so and and instead yourself, of instead of you
2: know. yeah, removing yourself from it is not leading through and leading right. your team through right. that uh, that uncomfortable right. situation. Right. Which I wanted to circle back to that second thing that I wanted to share with you that I learned uh, from, oh, from thirty years. I talked earlier about number one, the value of a team. The second thing is when you are taking a high performance team and you are wanting to elevate, your you already have that understanding and you have a team that is We're better as a team rather well. than an individual. Correct. Mm-hmm. And you already have a team. That's how do you elevate that team either from good to great or from great to elite? When you have a team of, of leaders and performers, much like the ones that you described, John, who you've already delegated uh, things to, and they're thriving and they're doing well, each one, brings their own skills, each one brings their own capabilities. And as a team, now they've already reached a level of greatness. How do you take that team and harness it and make it even better? How do you get that team, not as an individual now, but how do you get the team to exceed their collective expectations? When you have a team of high performers that are already used to being very successful and thriving in these situations and making things happen and being ahead of the game, when they come together as a team, now that team is going to have a set. It may be written. It may not be. It may be tangible. It may be intangible, but they will most assuredly have a set of collective expectations that are very high already. How do you get them to come to work every day and exceed those team expectations? That's the second the second key thing that I took away.
0: And how do you do it? Is there an answer?
2: Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. What I was alluding to earlier, the intersection and the interdependence between vision, strategy, and talent. So that team will have a shared vision. They will have a bold goal, whatever that goal is. It's when you-
1: Specific, Jeff, is what he's saying, is that yeah. it's, you have to, you, it's not like, listen, I'm going to tell you what it is. You have to specifically dial in with, your people, right. your process, your product, and then what you're trying to actually implement into the market. And Correct. how do you create all of this blended together to having this really successful, yeah. harmonious
2: yeah. Yeah. Uh, what know, is, understanding? What that is, thank you for saying that because you have just described is a change. And that's why many people are uncomfortable with that. There are a lot of people that are very comfortable with the status quo, whether it's the status quo in their lives, Status quo in their business, status quo in their their baseball team. Um, When you articulate a vision that is better and bolder and bigger than what you're doing today, and when you then take that and it's not an idea anymore, now it's a real thing because I put it on paper and I communicate it powerfully, and now I have a plan of action that says you have to do this every week, you have to do this every quarter, you have to do this every year in order to achieve this vision in a three-year plan or a five-year plan. Now you have something real that people can sink their teeth into. And the challenge, like like you articulated earlier, Jeff is there will be some people that actively support it and, and they're the champions of change. And there will be others who
0: well, yeah, because it takes they, me
2: a long time to understand yeah, this. Yeah, and then there'll be others who don't get it
0: because they feel it. Mm-hmm. Like when you're like a leader, you're almost like, um, like an evangelist, you know, in a way like you want, people to feel like what uh-huh. you're saying, like you want to like exactly right. see on their face, like you want to get that they're feeling it because if they feel it, then they get more excited because their emotions get involved and then they get more excited and they buy into it yep. because they feel about it. Yep. And I have found that a lot of these introverted people who are afraid to feel or don't get overly emotional. Mm -hmm. Those are the hardest people to buy into things personally and professionally. And I'm such about a feeling sort of thing that it makes me seem like I'm overly aggressive to those people. And I'm like, you know, targeting them in a way where that puts them on such a spot that they feel such pressure Uh when it's like, all I'm trying to do is get them to be in touch more with their feelings that they are so afraid and uncomfortable with. It's like they could just accomplish so much more in their life if they would get in touch with feelings, because then you, you like really are able to buy into different experiences that you could have or be part of either a, a duo or a team or something you go together, you know, toward whatever yeah. you're going toward. And that's really hard for me. I have people buying into things all the time, but mm-hmm. those specific people with those kinds of personalities that I wish there was another way.
1: But the, that's why know. it's such an art. It's an art because you have to know people and you have to be able to see the field to actually do what's right for everybody and understand that that person may not illustrate the buy-in. They might not yeah. understand exactly how you came to your conclusion, but they can, they can see it. It's yeah. tangible. It makes sense. It, you know, they see that the path is possibly there. And then the proof is really in the
2: work that well, everyone so, puts in so together.
0: What you're saying yep. up to you because what John's saying is exactly right. And there is a specific guy, the one that I've been talking about, who's exactly what John's saying, but his own emotions, a lack thereof and uncomfortable with really having the tools to have like an emotional connection to the whole thing is the problem. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't have some of these people just don't have like the tools in their brain to like give themselves the permission to like get excited to buy like completely buy and They bought in logically. Yep. Do you know what I'm saying? A hundred
2: percent. And I have just, experienced this. I have experienced yeah, this with, with major change initiatives. Yeah. And that's what you have described is the difference or one of the key differences between the importance of change leadership and change management. Both have mm. a role within the organization. So again, back to my previous point, Even if you want your company to grow 10% next year, and however you define growth, that's a change. That will be uncomfortable for some people, and there will be some that, just like you, you described. What I have found from a change management standpoint that has demonstrated success in the past is letting individuals know, uh, like like this know that everyone has skills and there's a home for everyone in the organization. And there is a contribution that they can make to this effort. It may just not be in that emotional, outgoing, excitable way that we would want them to be. And I have found that sometimes that's a very effective approach.
1: So I'd like to illustrate exactly how I I understand that. And maybe this will resonate well with you, Jeff. There are certain people in your management who continue to grow, right? And they keep moving with you and the company, right? But this scale that we're doing like this, where we're all going up, there's also the people that are actually down here. They're still coming up with you, Uh but you don't really realize it because if there's few that are way up here that are actually creating this change, What you said, whether it's 10% in gross or 10% in net, whatever it is, you don't realize the person that's right here that's still operating at a high level, but they're not maybe willing to put in that difference right there. They're actually still going up also too. You Uh just don't recognize it because you're advancing so far forward. That's true. That's beyond what you've done. You don't realize that their improvement is actually what it is. You know, that's actually a great illustration. It's just like
0: personally in your life, you know, um, like learning through life as you evolve, you know, you have friends that you've been friends with and you like continue to evolve and like learn about life and everything. Totally the same thing. And the friend just is always like kind of what they were and they haven't evolved. And you're wondering why you really don't care as much about the friend. And you wonder why you don't have as much in common or whatever. And it's just because they haven't really evolved but uh-huh. you evolved doesn't mean you're but better this, than them. This but
1: situation right. though, has a driving force of everybody moving forward. So for yeah. example, it could be uh, just a supervisor and the supervisor isn't looking to become the general manager right. or the operations manager. But as a lot of the team is really excelling and in increasing the, the gross or the net, whatever your particular goal is, he is still contributing. And because all of the efforts around that person are associated with the goal. He doesn't even realize that he's indirectly being moved up, not related to like your friend, like you're saying, inside of an organization, people don't realize that they're moving up when they're moving up, actually. Mm.
2: No, it's a great point. And I was working with an organization recently and they said to me, okay, I love all this about uh, vision, strategy and talent. And I want to make all these changes, but, but let's just assume for a minute that I'm successful and I have a bold vision and I write a great strategic plan and people are working to take the action steps necessary and I'm making progress and I'm on track and I'm achieving the goals. How do I make that attitude and that excitement and that enthusiasm stick in my organizational culture? How do I make sure that we don't lose that momentum? And then two years from now, people are like, okay, we achieved our goals. Now it's back to status quo. Constant engagement, That's,
1: exa- constant, that's exactly constant, one- constant, 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 right. endless engagement and
2: continuing to move the bar forward. Exactly. I call that over-communication. It's not reiterating... That is so
0: funny you say that because I say that all the time. People need to over-communicate. Yep. And it's so true because yep. I feel like in the world now, you can't just regular communicate because there's so much communication uh-huh. between... Listen, it used to be you just get a phone call. But now you get a phone call, a text message, an email. You can get a WhatsApp. You can get a mm-hmm. DM. You mm-hmm. can get, you know, all these LinkedIn d-
2: messaging. My God. Everything, you know? Like,
0: it, so as a person, you need to begin because people don't really understand just a message anymore. You have to like, overly, that's why emotions are so important because you have to make some sort of an impression on someone for it to be memorable to them. Otherwise it's just like any of the other communications that they get during the day. That's So I feel like the reason that I'm effective with sales, one of the reasons is because I connect with people emotionally a little bit and they get excited about what I'm talking about. They understand and they sort of, you know, feel that because you have, to, you have to get something from someone. So you want to like have feelings or something involved and connect Absolutely. with them. And I think that's part of the thing now. And I think when you know, they're just like black and white sales now, I don't think that really goes so well anymore. It has to somehow connect with the person because there's so much communication the way people communicate. You got to make an impression on them. That's
2: part of Absolutely.
1: the sort of product or service sticky, though, where you can have long-term customers and repeat customers. You have to have a differentiating factor. Yeah.
2: You're absolutely right, and whether whether it's an, a, a change or a movement or a vision within your organization, or whether it's uh, sales and strategic alliances and partnerships uh, or investments external to your organization, I, I agree with you. There must be an emotional connection. If yeah. that person, whether it's an employee of yours or a potential uh, client, if that individual feels that emotional connection, then they will want to learn more. They will want to get the details. They will want to get the data. They will want to understand how they can be involved in that. If there is no emotional connection, they may or may not come back to you and ask for the information, or they may or may not be a value-added contributor to the team uh, within the, the organization. But if there is an emotional connection, as I said earlier, people don't get excited about things they don't understand. But when there is that, when there is that emotion, um, they, they'll move mountains for you.
1: Yeah. How this relates to is there's established companies that have long term relationships, and they don't have to be great relationships. They could be very dry, but they just have a long time horizon. Versus new companies who are trying to develop new relationships, and it takes much more effort to obviously penetrate that barrier for people that already have a level of um, what's well, part comfort. of the part of the fabric. Like it's just of how they, yeah. how that person does and conducts business, you know? No, but it I'm saying be that, a,
0: the long-term company, like it's like that long-term company is a part of the fabric. Are you referring to what we talk about sometimes like up in Palm Beach? I th- I'm referring to
1: just in general in business, as I've navigated with all of our different services that we offer, you know, it's the, it's not the price. It's not how nice you are. It's really the, ultimately, if you do it over a long time, it's just the consistency of being in front of people because people already have pre-existing ideas, relationships, thoughts, so on and so forth. And people, you don't know when that person might be ready. They might be a price-driven person. It might take them three times of making a mistake before they're ready to pay your price. Well, it might be that they... um know that you're really nice and you've been really Johnny on the spot, but they've worked with this person for 20 years, but the person actually just randomly has made three mistakes in a row and really seems disconnected. And you are the next person who's been really Johnny on the spot, just being so nice and friendly. I think every scenario has a different situation like this. There's also some people who are just so desperate. They're like, this last guy I've used was the worst one I've ever <laughs> used in my life. And my God, if someone comes to my door and he's normal and nice, the dude's hired. I don't care what his price is. That's
0: right. That's right. <laughs> but definitely companies become the fabric of an individual's life and what they're used to, what they see and by being around a long time, recognizing the name a long time, and the Absolutely. newer companies, you have to make some sort of like John is saying, you know, to break that, you know, you have to make some sort of a connection with them. It was really nice talking to you. Same uh, here. Same so here. you really, I think, added a lot of uh,
1: value, I think, in a very short period of time. Just your two principles, which mind you, I could talk about for a lot longer. Yeah, yeah. And I know Absolutely. there's a lot more in your business that we haven't we do, even yes. kind of dove into yet. Let's do that another time then. Let's definitely do I think, do this I think again. we'll need to. That would be wonderful. I think you have a lot to really offer the listeners. I think you have a lot to offer us personally. Well,
0: it's a little bit of a different perspective, you know, that you have. It's, it's you really do. Like, what's interesting is, is I think that what he has. I see team. Joe having pill. He has much stronger pillars yes. than I think the the average person. Well, you know what that is? Where he, you know what that is? That's also like what he was saying. It's the thing with the teams. How do you make your team from not going from fine to to good? It's really going where where we really want to go from. And I think, you know, we think we're great. But Mm -hmm. the truth is, is that really, how do you go from really good or kind of great to uh, elite? Absolutely. That speaks to me. And I know that speaks to you, John. Well, once you reach your goal,
1: you're back to good. You're not great. Do you know what I mean? You hit your goal. You're great for a little while. You're allowed to feel like you've
2: succeeded, yeah.
1: And then you're back to good. What's the next goal? What's your next mission? Right. You know.
2: Right. That's correct. And the senior leader, the CEO, president, founder, owner, whoever that that beacon of vision is, has to be the one that always wakes up every day, getting excited and thinking about what's next. What's next? Because as you just defined. When you do the hard work and you achieve the vision or you achieve the goal, now you're back to good again. And how do you move on? That senior leader, that CEO, president, founder, they will always be in that position of not only thinking about what's next, but defining what's next and then overcommunicating, as we talked about and getting people excited and enthusiastic.
0: It's so funny that you say that because I literally every day runs through my mind. The, literally the minute I wake up in the morning, I was like, what's next? What am I doing? What am I going? And to go and do every single day. What's next? What's next? What's next? And people look at me like, my God, can't you just be happy with what you got? But it's not being happy with what you got. You have to constantly be figuring out what's next in order to propel forward because everything in life moves forward. Nothing goes backwards. You go That's forward. Right.
2: That's yeah. exactly right. Always moving forward.
1: Joe, I definitely feel like you can improve people's bottom lines and definitely make their vision happen. So I'd like for you to let them know where they can connect with you and find you to uh, connect with you and, you know, maybe learn more and so you can help them.
2: Absolutely. Uh, The website is the alakai group.com. That's T-H-E-A-L-A-K-A-I Group. Dot com. Uh, you can uh, message me uh, on LinkedIn, uh, connect with me there as well. Just my named account, Joseph Polanin, P O L A N I uh, N. And then you can also email me, Joe, J O E, at the Alakai Group.com uh, anytime. And I will be more than happy to have a candid and frank conversation about how we can help accelerate your vision. Uh, through, through a comprehensive strategy that mobilizes and inspires your people to elevate them and to elevate your organization.
1: And I'm certain that you can, Joe. Thanks again for being on the Cultivating Success podcast. It was great to have you here and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Pleasure to meet you.
2: John, Jeff, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: This has been the Cultivating Success podcast with Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson. To learn more about Jeff and Jonathan and their businesses, visit www.naturesexperts.com.